right here on the screen in front of us, 347-927-8398. Again, 347-927-8398. And of course, jrootradio.com and the Jroot Radio Pro app. We are in the discussion of the 39 Milachot. And we hope to be able to accomplish today something that, uh, I don't know, I hope we could. I know, um, you know, usually we take our time and all these things, so it's going to be a little bit challenging today. We hope to complete the Melachot. We are up to Melacha number 25, which means we have about f- 14, 15 Melachot, Bazat Hashem, today to go through today. We've done so far... The first half of the Melachot, we've done a little bit more than half. We've done 24 Melachot so far. And we're doing, we're about to, yeah, today we'd like to do the last 15 Melachot. And uh, we did 11 the first week. We did 13 last week. And today, Barzat Hashem, the last and final ones. The 39 Melachot, like we said, this is the categories, the 39 categories of what's forbidden to do on Shabbat, Midi And like we said, each category has subcategories, some derabanan, and a lot of them are also deoraita, so one should not take any of them lightly. Just to review a little bit from what we left off last week, to review the 13 melachot last week that were the second category of melachot. The second category of melachot, the 13 melachot, are the ones that have to do with the making of the yere'ot, of the hides. But since we're reviewing anyway... Might as, might as well review all the 39 melachot that we learned so far, which is the first 11 and today and the, and the 13. The 11 that have to do with the making of the lechem hapanim. And let's go. Melachot number one, horesh, plowing. Number two, the melachot of zera'ah, which is planting. Number three, the melachot of kotzer, which is harvesting. Number four, me'amir, which is piling together earth-grown items from where they grow. Number five is das, which is trampling the wheat kernels and ought to take out the wheat kernel from the shell. Number six is zore, which is sifting the good from the bad um, through the act, through wind. Borer is also sifting, separating from good and bad through uh, by hand. Number eight is Tohen, which is grinding, turning one item into many small particles. Number nine is Mirakid, which is, again, another form of sifting, but this one is done by a utensil. Number ten, last, which is taking many particles, putting them together by means of water, making it into a dough. And finally, number eleven in this category, the last one in this category, Ofe, which is baking, as well as cooking. That is the last one in this category. The next category, which we discussed last week, are the 13 melachot that go into making the cloth covering on the Mishkan. And that is beginning with the melacha of gozez. Gozez means shearing, removing the wool from the sheep. Number two, melabim. Melabim is, I guess we would translate it as bleaching, getting rid of the unwanted particles in the fibers of the wool. Number three is menapets, which is easy, the easiest translation we saw last week. There are different opinions. Menapets is combing. Uh, separating basically the knotted uh, fibers together. Number four, tsoveya, which means dyeing, coloring, painting, num- painting on the fiber, that is. Number five, tove, which is spinning, taking the fabrics together and making them into a string ready to be woven. Number six, mesach, which is setting up 
the machine or whatever they used in order to um, prepare it, to prepare the work of uh, weaving. Number seven, this melacha is setting up the strings in the other direction. One is horizontal, one is vertical. Number eight is the actual weaving of the two strings together, which is oreg. Number nine is potseya, and that is ripping off the few leftover strings. Number 10 is kosher tying. Number 11 is the opposite kosher, which is matir. Number 12 is the melacha of tofer, which is sewing. Number 13, it's korea, which is the opposite of tofer, basically separating any two sewn items. This is a review. We, this is not expected. We don't expect that the first, for the first time you should understand everything that we said. It's just a review of what we said last week. And now we're finally up to the final last uh, 15 melachot, but we still have two categories. Category number three, which is the making of the covers made out of leather. As we know, the Mishkan in the times of the, when the Jewish people were in the desert there was an Ohel Moed, which was the main sanctuary. And in that place, there was no roof. There was no roof that we know about. That means from uh, sheetrock or, or stone or wood. The roof consisted of a few layers of covers. One was made out of a cloth, which is what we just spoke about. The rest were made out of, um, from either goat hair or the leather of certain animals, the Tehashim or the Elim. So now we're dealing with the making of these hide co- with these of these covers made out of the hides of the animals, which is you know basically leather. So the next seven melachot all have to do with making leather. So anybody who knows about making leather, you'll appreciate this category of melachot, just like the people who were in the shmata business last week appreciated last week's class because it has to do with making clothing. So let's go th- first through the list. There are seven melachot in this category. From number 25 until number 32. And these melachot, we'll list them first with a simple, simple translation. And then afterwards, we'll go into a small, not so much detail, but a little bit of detail about these seven melachot. And they are the following. Number one, tzad. First, you have to trap the animal. Number two, shohit. Then we slaughtered the animal. Number three, then the melacha of mafshit, which is skinning the animal, removing the skin off the animal. Number four, moleyah or me'abed. This is what's translated in English as tanning. And not to be confused with sun tanning, that's completely something else. Tanning over here means they basically it's a processing the leather, making the... So we're going to talk about it. Let's keep it for then. Number five, which is the melacha of mesartet, translated as scoring. We'll see what that is later on. Number six is memahek. Memahek means smoothing. And finally, number seven in this category, which is mehatech, cutting to a precise cut. Let's go into the details now of these seven melachot. And the way we do it is we first define the melacha. Then we speak about how it was in the times of the Mishkan, why this melacha was necessary and how it was used in construction of the Mishkan. And then we try to bring in a toledah if it's applicable. And finally, we give you, when it's applicable, a few practical, uh, what we call halakha um, of halakhot have to do with this. Now again, we're stressing, 
any halachot that we bring at the end in the last section of each melacha may not necessarily be the oraita. It could be the rabbanan, it could be whatever it is. In any case, it would still be forbidden. It's either, it could, be, it could range from anything that's um, a derabanan or a light, what we call a light derabanan, to anywhere where it's mamash de it could be even an av melacha. So, therefore, don't take these halachot lightly. Let's go with the melacha. Let's begin with the melacha number 25 overall. The first one in this category, the melacha of tzad. Tzad means trapping or hunting. Now, hunting in English means, you know, you, either, you, you could kill an animal, but you can hunt an animal by killing it. Throwing, shooting an arrow and killing it, or shooting it with a gun and killing it, you also hunt that way. But tzad in halakha is not killing an animal. Tzad is just trapping an animal. The definition of the melakha of tzad is as follows. Trapping any living creature that's normally trapped into a forced confinement. Because trapping can be very vague. If I have a huge room the size of a wedding hall, an animal walks in, I close the door. Am I trapping it? To a certain extent, yes. Uh, but as far as being an av melachah, it has to be a forced confinement where I would walk in and get it right away. And also, in order to be tzad mid the oraita, it has to be an animal or a living creature that's normally trapped. So therefore, if I'm trapping something that's not normally trapped, then it's, it's although, yes, I am trapping it technically, but it's not an av melachah. Another condition also over here is that I need to trap the item because I, I mean the living creature, because I want to use, I want that living creature. I'm not trapping the living creature just to get it away from me. This does not mean that if I trap something that's not wanted is permitted. It just means that's not the av melacha. So therefore, if I'm trapping a, uh, let's say, uh, a dog comes into my house. I don't want the dog. So I put him in a room and I close the door on the dog. I'm not going if it's, Permitted or not permitted, let's say it's a puppy, it's not harmful at all. So I just close him off in the room because I just don't want my kids to play with him right now. So in that case, that's trapping, but it's not av melacha because I'm not doing it because I want the dog. In fact, it's the opposite because I do not want the dog. So tzad, midoraita, is only when I trap it and I'm able to get it right away because I want to use it later on. Where was this done in the Bishkan? Well, simple. We needed hide, right? We needed to get the leather. And in order to get the leather, you have to get the skin off the animal. So you have to trap the animal first. Some say that trapping the fish, the, which, which we call the, the sea creature known as the hlazon. They made nets, right? In the Melachav Koshen Matir. So these nets were used to trap the fish. And they forced into a confinement where they were able to get it right away. That's how the Melachav was done. And of course, we need the hlazon because we need to get that color from it. The blood of it, which made the color of the khilet. A tolada of this melacha of trapping of tzad is if I would have a dog which I've trained to hunt and I send him to hunt an animal while I, when I assist him. For example, let's say I want to trap a deer. So I send my dog now after the, after the deer. So I know that the deer has a way to escape. So I go stand right in front of him and I scare the deer that it runs, runs away from me but it turns right into the dog and the dog is able to trap him. That's a tolada, that's also a summa de oraita. I don't know how practical this one is, but that is a tolada of tzad. You want practical? Here's practical. You cannot set up a mouse trap on Shabbat. Although, you're right, the animal may be trapped, the mouse might be trapped even after Shabbat, but it does make a difference. Setting up the mouse trap on Shabbat is forbidden mid anyway. 
And here's one that's very, very hard to do. Really, really hard to do. Ready? Here's the following halakha. It's very difficult. Unfortunately, we've come across it a few times. You see a kakarot on Shabbat <laughs> and you want to trap it. That's asur. Even though you're not trapping it to take the kakarot. So asur. And don't tell me it's dangerous. Come on. Kakarots are not dangerous. They're disgusting. Uh, so, uh, yeah, if you're one of those people that might have a heart attack from it, Maybe ladies, okay, are here, but um, I don't know, I'm not giving you halakha l'ma'aseh. There will be a parasha in the Benish Hai where we talk about the melakha of Tzad, and over there we'll go into all the details. But for, um, I would say, you know, nine out of ten times, if you ask a halakha question in general, most people, just tr- putting a bucket over uh, a cockroach, just, you know, that shouldn't run away, so this way it doesn't go around in the house, is forbidden on Shabbat. Next melakha, melakha number 26, Overall, and there is a, that is a melacha of shohit. Simply translate as slaughtering. But it's not limited to just slaughtering. True, when we trap the animals at the Hashim, for example, and we needed their, their skin, we first slaughtered the animals. And of course, slaughtering was done. But really, the definition of shohit is not limited to slaughtering, but it's taking the life of a living creature by means of either slaughtering or smashing or whatever it may be. The tolada of such a melacha is taking the life of an animal by strangling it. So you see a dog and you strangle the dog, you choke the dog till it dies. And you're really unbelievable if you're able to do that. It's very gutsy. In any case, such a case will be only a tolada. Deoraita, but it's a tolada. The melacha has to be that you let out blood. In fact, letting out blood on Shabbat is forbidden, even from a human being, not only from animals. That's why people who usually bleed, let's say, for example, um, when they brush their teeth, you know, the famous thing, you can't brush your teeth because you're going to bleed. That's only talking about when a person usually bleeds from his teeth when they brush their teeth. So then it'll be a problem because you cannot let out blood on Shabbat. Same thing would be um, if a person wants to take a blood test on Shabbat. He's otherwise healthy. But he sees somebody, who, you know, with the, with the blood test, you know, those, they, they're like, those who know, those who have diabetes and they have to keep their, always a blood count, there's a certain thing that you press it and it just punctures a hole in the finger and then they take that and they test the blood. So a person wants to try that on Shabbat, that's Asur. Another one is killing any insect on Shabbat. It's also Asur. When you plan to kill, it's Asur. Even mosquitoes and even those things. If a person needs to get rid of the mosquito, when it's really dangerous, and again, I'm not going into the actual halakha and the details when it's really dangerous, but let's say it is assumed that this type of mosquito, the one that causes the Zika virus, and you have a pregnant woman in the house, so in that case, you want to just trap the mosquito, so that's fine. But to kill it, you're not allowed to kill insects on Shabbat that falls under the category of shohit. Now, I'm not talking about when it's sakana, when it's real, real sakana. Of course, nobody's going to tell you you can't kill an animal. Talking about the cases where are not sakana. Like we know that the laws of Shabbat are pushed to the side when we're dealing with somebody's life or even a suffix, or even if there's a doubt that somebody's life might be in danger, we push away all the mizvot in the Torah except for three, and that includes Shabbat. Shabbat is pushed to the side in order to save a Jewish person's life or to prevent him from going into sakana and going into danger. Mafshit is Melacha number 27. Next Melacha Mafshit is translated as skinning, which is basically the removal of the skin from a living creature for the sake of production. You're not skinning the animal, you know, today's slaughtering, they skin the animal, they throw out the, 
the, the leather, the, the, what do you call it? The skin. They don't need it. The melachav mafshit, remember like all melachot, they have to be constructive. So I'm skinning the animal because I want that skin where I'm going to process it and make it into leather. And of course, goes without saying, in the Mishkan, after slaughtering the Tehashim or the Elim, they would skin their, the, the skin them, the, to remove the skin of these animals and all to be used eventually as leather for the covering of the, of the Ohan wine. Now the Tolada of this Melacha is complicated in, for those who are not familiar with animals exactly how they work, but basically, there are two, when you take the skin off an animal, there's two parts. There's a part that's closer to the skin, next to me, that's closer to the basar, to the meat, and there's a part that's exposed on the outside to the world. That's where the hairs come out. One is called the or, one is called the duxustus. Separating these two parts, the upper part from the lower part, according to the Rambam, as Aruch HaShohan quotes him, that is the tolada of the Menachav Mafshit. Okay, a practical application of this halakha. So Rabbi Ribaya brings in the name of Aruch HaShohan, that if you have raw chicken, and it has skin on it, and you want to remove the skin, of course you're not cooking, but it's still to remove the skin off of raw chicken is forbidden. Why? Because skinning, you're removing the skin off an animal. Does that mean it's as so to remove the skin off of a cooked chicken? No, because mafshit only applies to an animal or a dead animal, not to cooked animals, which are in the category of food. There's a difference between food and a dead animal. True, the piece of chicken they eat on Shabbat is a dead animal, but it's transformed after being cooked, it's transformed into ochel. Not so, even though you bought it from your kosher grocery or supermarket and it's there to be eaten, but right now it's raw. To remove the skin off of it when it's raw, that is a problem of mafshit, according to the Aruch HaShohan. Next melacha, melacha number 28, is the melacha of me'abed or moleah. People bring it into different ways, uh, they categorize differently. The translation of this melacha is tanning, which is really the processing, but processing in itself is a very vague terminology. So let's define it. And that is the preparing of the hides for usage by means of salting or any other chemical to harden the leather. Leather or the skin of an animal is very soft. You can't work with that. And you see anybody who has a leather jacket or leather shoes, you see they're very, they're very hard. They're not, not like the skin on your body or the skin of an animal, which is much softer. That process of, uh, of tanning, it's called tanning or whatever it is, that's called ma'abid. And today we do it with chemicals. Back then they would pour a lot of salt on it and they put in certain things to, to make it very hard. This was obviously done. This was the next step into making it to leather. The tolada of this melacha is even without the usage of chemicals, if a person takes the skin of an animal and he tramples on it, he uses his nice Nikes and he wants to step on it or to make, make it harder or even to soften up the leather, that's a form of uh, processing. So that's also a tolada of ma'abid. A practical application, you might say, whoa, where'd you hit me with this halakha? It's because the form of the, 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 the process of processing these, uh, these skin or into leather is a form of preservation. It's like, you know, you're preserving it. Leather by itself, if you kill an animal, you just have the leather, a little spoil, a little rot after a while. 
Let's smell and bring all the types of bugs. Your leather jacket is not bringing any bugs. It might attract other things, but it's not bringing any bugs. So this form of uh, processing, which is turning it into leather, is a form of preservation. And therefore, hazal, the rabbi is also forbade preserving food. And therefore, as a, pre- as a subcategory of this halakha, we have the following. A person is not, allowed, is not allowed to sprinkle salt on many vegetables at one time. Which means, you have a salad, we have many vegetables cut up, and you have cucumbers inside, and you have tomatoes. Since the salad includes things that are usually preserved, like pickles, which is made out of cucumbers, so you're not allowed to spread salt over it. What? I can't make a uh, salad with salt? No, you could. There's ways how to do it. You put the oil first and then the salt. The details, but that's a shame. We'll talk about it also when we get to it. We're just telling you some small halachot just to give you a heads up. Another practical halakha to this is that if you have a pickle jar, you're not allowed to put a raw vegetable inside of it. Even, uh, you know, raw vegetable means to say, even if it's edible, for example, you have a pickle jar, you want to take a cucumber and put it in the pickle jar on Shabbat. That's asur. Not only that, but if I have a pickle jar and I'm looking at my date on the calendar, it says, oh, today, my smartphone told me on Friday, on Shabbos, your pickles will be ready. I open up the jar, I take out the pickle, and I taste it. No, it needs a little bit more. I can't return it into the pickle jar on Shabbat because I'm putting it back in order to pickle it more. That's a sur also on Shabbat. It's under the category of ma'abed and muleah. We'll talk about it when we get to the halachot of bishul as well. Next melacha, melacha number 29, the melacha of mesartet. Mesartet is translated as scoring, which is basically making the line, sirtut. You know, the halakha tells us the Sefer Torah needs sirtut. Megillat Esther needs sirtut, like in Sefer Torah. So, mesartet, which is making the lines on the leather in order that you should cut it accurately. Everybody knows, any artist or if you're anybody who's cutting something, first you make the line and then you cut along the line. Making those lines on the leather is the melacha of mesartet, which is what they did in the Mishkan. It told out of this, is making the lines not for the sake of cutting, but for the sake of doing something neat on it. For example, a sofer who has a cloth, who has that parchment that he wants to write on it in mezuzah, and he's making the lines on the cloth in order that he should write neatly on it, is a tolada, it's forbidden, it's a tolada of mesartet. A practical application of this halakha is the following. Let's say you have a piece of paper, and you want to cut along the lines of a piece of Paper. That means to say, you want to cut the paper in half. You're not allowed to cut on Shabbat. That you know. May not. You say not. Let me fold it like this, and you fold the piece of paper, and then on Motzei Shabbat, non Shabbat, of course, Shabbat. On Motzei Shabbat, you want to come and cut along that line of the fold where the fold took place. That's asur. Not the cutting. The cutting, you do Motzei Shabbat, do whatever you like. Motzei Shabbat within the parameters of halakha, of course. But the Folding of the paper, so you should cut along that line, is also forbidden on Shabbat. Same thing would be if I would want to use my fingernail, if it's long, my shahitan nail, and I want to make a line along a page, in order that it should be used for, let's say, cutting or as a mark, that would be problem also to do that on Shabbat. In most cases, there are cases where the exception, we'll talk about it when we get to it. Okay, we move on to Melacha number 30. Melacha number 30 is the Melacha of Memahek. 
This is translated smoothly, and that's why sometimes you'll see that's also mimariyah, which is uh, spreading or smoothing. What happened next is that after you made the lines and everything, so some, some put mimariyah before misatet, so you want to make it very, 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 very smooth. You want to take off any uh, rubbish material that you don't want. So what they do is they would smooth out the hides, right? The leather, remember it's bumpy, it's not perfectly straight. Especially the cloth. You look at the Sefer Torah. You look at the Tefillim, Mezuzot. I'm not talking about the boxes. I'm talking about the inside of them. The actual parchment. See how smooth it is? So how did it become so smooth? You look at the cow. It doesn't look so smooth, right? And then all the leather of the cow. And your leather of your shoes is not always so smooth. To make it so smooth, that's one of the steps known as Memareya. So a tolada of this this is what's brought down, is let's say you have an uncooked chicken. Again, we'll go back to our chicken. and has some skin, some feathers on the skin. And you want to remove the feathers, making it a flat, uh, what's it called, uh, smooth surface. That's also a sur because of memareyah, when your intention is to make it smooth. A practical halakha of this is what everybody knows. The whole is sort of putting on makeup besides soveya, like we mentioned last week. The melacha also, oh, I mean, also a problem with putting on makeup, certain makeups, is that when it's thick makeup, it can be a problem of memareya because you're rubbing the cream. So, of course, it all depends on the consistency, how thick it is. For example, what's known as Vaseline, that's very, very thick cream, that most poskim will agree that that is forbidden to apply on Shabbat or to rub on Shabbat. Also, wax from a candle, right, to rub it out, and to smooth it out. That's also Asur on Shabbat. And another practical halakha, if you have a deodorant stick, you like to use the Old Spice, you can't use the Old Spice deodorant stick on Shabbat. I don't know if Old Spice has a spray or not. You don't have to tell me. I couldn't care less. But this, any deodorant stick, you're not allowed to use on Shabbat because also what's happening is that you're smoothing out. You're, when you're rubbing and applying it on your skin, you're rubbing out and smoothing out the surface. Now, of course, you're thinking about rubber soap. I mean, uh, hand soap. I don't have hand soap so much today. Everything's liquid. But once upon a time, if you remember when we visited the museums and we used to see those hand soaps, right? Okay. So those hand soaps, once upon a time, when they were asur, it was from the same issue. And there were cases over which mutar, but it's not our subject. But it's all under the same category of memareya. And I'm going a little bit quick, but I have to because we want to finish all the melachot today, Be'azat Hashem. So we're moving on right now to melacha number 31. By the way, if you, if you think I'm going too fast, it's very simple. Just play this, Be'azat Hashem. This will be on, uh, on the jrootradio.com website. Download it and play in slow motion. That's it. It's very passion. Anyway, melacha number 31, the melacha of mehatech. Mehatech is from the word hatach, to cut. And the melacha is defined as follows. Cutting any material to a desired size. Not just cutting randomly. Cutting randomly might be like Korea, where I'm cutting the material when I need its specific size, that would be the Mecha of Mehatech. And this is not when I cut from a, an object, like for example, I'm cutting from a shirt, a certain material, even from cutting a specific size. That's not the case. It has to be from only from cutting from material. For example, if I, so if I have a, a cloth, uh, what's it called? You know, the cloth material. So if I want to cut from it a certain size, I need three yards. 
and I'm cutting exactly three yards, or I need a certain shape, and I'm cutting from that the that item, the same, uh, what's it called, that shape. So then that would be the melachav mehatech when I'm cutting the desired size that I need. In the Mishkan, of course, when they wanted to make the leather high, uh, the, 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 the coverings, and they need to cut a certain shape, whether it was the full size of, or they, they stitch it together, they obviously cut exactly the size that they wanted. A practical application of this halakha, I'll give you three very, very quickly. If you have a toothpick, or let's say you have a skewer, well, it's not muqseh, for example. Let's say, for example, it's not muqseh, you were mehaid before Shabbat. And we use it as a toothpick, but it's too big, it's too long. And you want to cut it to make it smaller. That's a asur on Shabbat. Also, sharpening a pencil is asur because of this. Because I'm cutting it to a certain size. I want it to be sharp at the edge so I'm able to write. Now, of course, there's other issues with it. But again, we're focusing right now on sharpening the pencil. That's an, a, under the category of mehatech. And finally, this is very practical. You have leftover food and you want to store it, you want to put it in the fridge or put it away. You're not allowed to cut aluminum foil paper to a specific size that you need for the plate. So that's where you have to get the pre-cut aluminum foil or you pre-cut it yourself before Shabbat. And here we've come to the conclusion of the, the third category of melachot, the category in which the melachot which were made which were done in order to make the leather coverings of the Mishkan. Let's review very quickly the seven melachot that went into making the hides. Category number three melachot, and they are, again, number one, it's sad, which is trapping. Number two, shohet, which we saw is not just loading, but the taking a life of any living creature. Number three is mafshit, which is skinning, removing the skin to use it. Number four is moleah, or me'abed, which is tanning or processing the leather. Number five is mesartet, scoring, making the lines. Number six is memahek, which is smoothing. Number seven is mehatech, which is cutting to a desired size. Those are the seven melachot um, in this category. Next. The last and final category the category number four is the last eight melachot. Here we have the last and final eight melachot. These melachot mainly, mainly have to do with the structure, the actual physical structure of the Mishkan. As we know, the Mishkan, just to give you very, very quickly of a picture of the Mishkan, you can open up most Humashim, especially the ones that have pictures, especially the English ones, you see a picture of what the Mishkan look like. They were what we would call the kilayim. That's the first thing that you would come across when you see the mishkan. These were like basically curtains that were attached to about 20 poles and they held up the mishkan or at least made up the area of the mishkan, what we call the hatir. You walk inside the mishkan, you see the mizbayah. Beyond the mizbayah, you'd see this beautiful big room. And this room was known as the ohel mu'id. This, is, this room contained inside of it the... Mizbayah al-Zahab, the golden altar, the menorah, the shulhan, which held up the lehma panim. And we go a little bit further, you see the parochet, and beyond the parochet, that's where the aron was, which had inside of it the luhot the tablets. What made up this room of Ohel Mu'ayd? It was made up of the kerashim. The kerashim are basically these beams, which were essentially wood and covered with gold. 
How do you take wool and cover it with gold? Well, you make a gold cover, and it'll be like a layer. Imagine, you know, for example, I'll give you an example. Take aluminum foil, okay? Rip it off. So now you have aluminum in your hand. It's metal. And wrap a piece of wood with it. So now we, the inside is wood and the outside is aluminum foil. So it's kind of like the same thing with gold. It's metal. Aluminum is a type of metal and gold is a type of metal. So they would make these gold sheets and they would nail it into these beams known as the kerashim. And those kerashim, what they translate in English as planks, these golden planks were the ones that made the frame for this room, which is the ohel moed. And on top of these planks is where they put these covers that we spoke about till now, the yeri'ot, the cloth yeri'ot, or the leather yeri'ot. This is an important introduction for the next, uh, the majority of the next uh, halachot. I would say maybe, I'd say probably eight of these halachot, all of them are connected to this. Let's first list the final eight halachot in the final category, in category number four. The halachot are, Number one, kotev, which is writing. Number two is mohek, which is erasing. Number three, bone, building. Number four, soter, which is knocking down a building. Number five is mechabe, which is shutting off a fire. Number six is mare, which is putting on a fire. Number seven is makebe patish. I'm just going to translate it. It's a very hard melacha. We'll talk about it when we get to it. Makebe patish is hitting with a hammer. Yeah, hitting with a hammer. We'll talk about it, why it's a melacha. And then finally, the last melacha of all the Torah melachot is Hotza'ah, which we know today in the, well, the common language, we use it, Lashon B'nei Adam, we call it carrying. We'll talk about it at the same when we get to it. Notice then from these eight melachot, the first six are really three melachot and its opposites. So I would say the first six are three pairs of melachot. Kotev, writing, Mohek is the opposite of Kotev, which is erasing. Number three is Bone building, and the opposite of it is Soter. Number five is Mechabe, which is shutting off a fire. Number six is Mabeir, which is putting on a fire. So it's three Melachot, and each one has the opposite Melacha. The opposite of it is also a Melacha. Keep in mind what we said last week. We mentioned that in order for any Melacha to be Hayab Torah, it has to be that it's beneficial. Like we've mentioned the Gemara, Masechet Shabbat, and as Rambam brings it, kol ha-mekalkelin peturin. All the melachot, when they're done in a destructive way, a person who does it is not asur min ha-Torah, it's asur min derabbanan, but it's not asur min ha-Torah. So if these melachot are listed here as one of the 39 av melachot, they have to be, in order for them to be assumed they have to be done in a constructive way. So, for example, the soter over here, or mohek, erasing, knocking down a building, usually these acts are acts of destruction, of removing something. So we have to explain, but that the same when we get to them, we'll show you cases in which they have to be constructive. When it's not done in constructive, it makes it only assumed And yeah, okay, let's go. Halakha, or melakha number... 32. The Melacha of Kotev. Kotev, which is writing, Ketiva, right? So it's writing two letters. But the definition of Kotev is the expression of or communication of a message through writing anything. And it doesn't have to be specifically letters. It could be even as the tolda of Kotev is, drawing a picture. If I'm drawing a picture and I'm communicating a message, that's also Kotev. 
According to most Rishonim, according to most Rishonim, writing even in a different language besides Hebrew is also a Sumun HaTorah. There are some Rishonim, amongst them the Ozaruah, the Ramah brings them down, where the, he says that Ketiva, writing in a different language besides Lashon HaKodesh, is the Rabbanan, but majority of Rishonim hold that writing is forbidden in in any language. And like we said, in order to be the Av Melacha, it has to be two letters, or if a letter is completing a book, then it will be a for a different reason, could be Makeh Patish. Where was their writing in the Mishkan? What do you mean? They text each other, like, you know, please uh, move the, the planks. Could you please, um, you know, carry the things, plant the... Where had they write in the Mishkan? What did they write in the Mishkan? The answer is, writing in the Mishkan took place when they numbered the Kirashim. Remember the Kirashim are these boards, the planks that made up the room known as the Ohen Moed in the Mishkan, where, which stored... The Aron. So in order to, you know, remember, the Mishkan was portable. They would take it off, put it back on. They would travel. And when they started travel, they take everything off, travel. When they parked, they put everything, they assembled everything back together. So this, how would they know to put everything together? So they would mark it. They would say, for example, plank Aleph goes next to plank B. And then this one goes. So they have to write on it to know where they went. Just like a lot of people do when it comes to Sukkot. And they have their Sukkah and they want to know where each piece goes, which beam goes to which uh, part of the, of the Sukkah. So they label them. That's what they did in the Mishkan to the Kirashim. And that's where the Melchav Kotev took place. Some practical halakhot of this is printing. Even though you're not personally writing it, but the mere press of a button that you could print photocopy or print anything, even just a picture is also forbidden under the category of Kotev. Also, if a person wants to write, even with his nail, he wants to write, let's say, something on a couch. He has a leather couch, and he wants to write something to someone. So he writes like an A. That's forbidden also. Again, it might not be the Oraita, but it's forbidden on Shabbat when it makes a mark. What you could do, if you like, is you could write in the air. You could write A, B, C, or Aleph, Beit, Gimel in the air. That's not a problem. But to write on, uh, let's you know, when the, when the windows have like a little bit of, uh, I forgot to say in English right now, but you know, a little bit wet and you want to write over there or let's say a person has a dirty car and you write, wash me please. Right? So those things, that's also a form of writing. Not necessarily the writer, but it's also a sur on Shabbat. Melacha number 33, the melacha of muhik, erasing. So like we said beforehand, these melachot, Whatever the melacha of Ketiba is, Mehika is undoing what Kotev is. So, whatever is asur in writing, Mohek to erase what you wrote is what makes it Deoraita. So, in order to be Hayab Deoraita for Kotev, we said you have to be able to write two letters. Oh, you have to write two letters. Same thing over here. If you're erasing an area in order to be able to write two letters, that is the Av Melacha of Mohek. Where was it erasing the Mishkan? Well, remember, they wrote on the planks, on the Kirashim, to know which one belonged where. They know how to organize each one. So, sometimes there was mistakes. Believe it or not, people make mistakes. So, sometimes, for example, they wrote by mistake, this plank is supposed to be next to this plank. So, when they, had, when they realized they made a mistake, they had to erase in order to write more letters in its place. 
And that's where the melacha of mohek took place in the Mishkan. Practical halachot of this halacha is very, very uh, common. Not everybody agrees on the following, but certainly the Ashkenazim, a lot of poskim bring the following. Not everybody again. And that is to break letters that are written on food or on, uh, let's say, bags, they are, are osir. For example, you have a cake and it says on it, happy birthday. So to cut the cake where you, you're breaking and er- kind of like erasing the H from the A and from the P, that's going to be a sur according to some poskim, a lot of poskim actually, I want to say. I'm not saying everybody's osir, but some la poskim are osir such a case. Here's something that's a sur. You know those magnet letters that people have on the fridge? So they have on it, it says, for example, Shabbat Shalom or Good Shabbos. For you to remove them out of order, that is forbidden. Again, may not be the oraita, but it's asur nonetheless on Shabbat. Next melacha, melacha number 34, the melacha of bone. Bone means to build. But building is not just limited to making a house. Building can be defined as creating, forming, or even assembling any part of a permanent structure. Even putting things together, even part of a building, that's also a sur. Even taking a nail and hammering it into the wall, because it's needed to be there, that's a form of building. That's under the mecha of Bonet as well. Where was the mecha of Bonet done in Mishkan? And the answer is, like we said before, the Kirashim. When they would travel, and they would actually not travel, when they stopped traveling, they camp wherever they need to camp, and they would have to set up the Mishkan, this is how they build the Mishkan. They would take these kerashim, these planks, and set them up, making the building or the room of the Ohel Mu'ahid. A tolada of this melacha is making cheese on Shabbat. How do you make cheese on Shabbat? Well, how do you make cheese in general? You don't need to know about Shabbat. Anytime, how do you make cheese? You take milk, and then... You take either from the keva, which is part of the stomach of the animal, or you could take the actual stomach of the animal, the lining of the stomach of the animal, and put the milk in there. And after a while, the enzymes from the lining of the stomach of the animal goes into the milk, and it starts to solidify. That solidification is a form of building. It's not the avmelacha, but it's deoraita nonetheless, and it's asur medoraita, it's a tolada of bone. Halakha le on the melacha of bone is, you might be surprised about this, so we all know about the umbrellas, many poskim are oset umbrellas, to walk out with an umbrella on Shabbat. There are matirim, but the majority of poskim, especially nowadays, forbid for a person to walk around with an umbrella on Shabbat, even if it was open before Shabbat, because you like making a roof above your head. What many, what many people don't know is that wearing a baseball cap with a hard brim for the sake of protection from rain or sun is a Suran Shabbat when the brim is the size of 8 centimeters or bigger. That's called a tefah. People don't know that. They think, hey, what do you mean a black hat wears a hat? Well, black hat is wearing a, a hat with a brim not for protection. He's wearing it because that's a style. And it's also not a hard brim. Even if you're chasidish, you're not doing it for, you're doing it only for style. That's the way, that's the levush. So if you're a guy that always wears a, a baseball cap, you're right. But if you're not, and it's raining, and now you want to wear a baseball cap to protect you from rain, if the brim is hard and eight centimeters or longer, it is under the, it's uh, one of the halachot on the bonnet. In fact, 
The Menachav Boneh has so much subcategories under it. There's a lot of details in Menachav Boneh. We'll talk about that when we get to it, but that would be Asur on Shabbat. Also, making a snowman on Shabbat is also forbidden for the same reason. It's a form of building that is forbidden to be done, take place on Shabbat. Next Melacha, Melacha of Soter, 35. Guess what? What is the Melacha of Soter? Soter is demolition to break down. That's the same, the, the exact opposite of Boneh. Whatever is assumed to be Boneh, if it was done before Shabbat, Soter is to knock that down on Shabbat. Okay? Defining it, let's define it, demolishing a structure or part of it for the sake of building in its place. That's another condition also for Soter. In order to be Soter Medeoraita as an Av Melacha, you have to want to build in its place. So let's say, for example, I have a wall. I don't like this wall. I want to now put a new wall up. I want a new sheetrock and everything. So I want to knock down this wall because I want to build in its place a new wall. That will be Mechav Soter. But if I want to just knock down the wall because I want to destroy it, I don't like it, or it just went out of my face, that is not, since I'm not planning to build in its place, so it might not be Soter Medeoraita. But again, whenever we say it's not Soter Medeoraita, it's still going to be Asur Medeorabanan anyway. That is the Melacha of Soter in definition. In order, the, the Melacha of Soter, let's give you some practical halachot. There's an easy filter that goes and connects to the faucet. Content of Belsky, uh, other poskim also, is to remove that faucet on Shabbat, you know, when it gets clogged up, that's Asur. Because it's attached to the faucet, which is attached to the sink, and it's attached to the ground. And therefore, removing it, even though, yes, it's made to come on and off, but since it's being attached to a permanent structure, that's going to be a problem of soter, possibly even deoraita, on Shabbat. Another halakha in the category of soter, if a person has braids in his hair, it doesn't make a difference if it's a woman or if it's a child. It doesn't make a difference. Any braids on Shabbat that, are, that were there before Shabbat, you're not allowed to unbraid them on Shabbat because braiding your hair on Shabbat is bonet. So unbraiding your hair on Shabbat will be the problem of sauteing. This is talking about the natural hair, by the way, connected to your head. We spoke last week that asur also to braid one's wig or to unbraid one's wig, but it's not under the category of bonet or sauter. We're up to Melachah number 36. We're almost done, Abotai. Melachah number 36 is Mechabeh. So, mechabeh means extinguishing a fire. Extinguishing a fire is not just completely shutting off a fire. Even minimizing a fire is an av of mechabeh. The Gemara talks about if a person has an oil lamp. And the lamp is, let's say, supposed to go on for four hours. Because there's enough oil to go for four hours. And the person now comes and takes from that olive oil in the lamp. Because he wants it shut off earlier. So now, instead of lighting for four hours, it's going to light for two and a half hours or three hours or whatever it is, but you're making the time shorter, that is Mechabeh on Shabbat. When was Mechabeh done? Where was Mechabeh done in the Mishkan? So, they had to make coals because coals were needed to cook. They need to cook, like we saw in the, in the past, they need to cook the dyes, the colors, which were used to color certain cloth in the, in the, uh, 
in the making of in the construction of the Mishkan. So in order to make the coals, you have to first put on the fire. You put logs of wood on fire, and then you shut it off, making the coals. This is where mechabe the mechal mechabe was done in the Mishkan. A tolada of this mechabe is of melachal mechabe is lehashel kelim. That's on Hebrew, modern Hebrew. Lehashel kelim means to you know when you, you ever see um, in the olden days the way they used to make metal is they would heat up metal, they put it in a very very hot place, and then the metal metal becomes soft, and then the blacksmith is able to work with the metal and shape it into the way he wants. Once it takes shape. So in order not to lose that shape, they would put it in cold water, and that would solidify it and make it very solid, very strong. That act of cooling the metal in water to take shape is known as lehashek kelim or tziruf kelim. That is a tolada of mechabe. Practical halakha of this is very simple. Electricity, according to many poskim, is deoraita under the mechah of maveir. So mechabe is the opposite of maveir, the opposite of igniting. So therefore... Turning off any electric appliance is asur under the category of mechabe. May not be deoraita for reasons that we'll talk about when we get to it, but it's still asur nonetheless. Also, lowering the or shutting off the gas or lowering even the gas range in your house also under the category of mechabe. Again, not necessarily deoraita, but it's also forbidden nonetheless. Now, melacha number thirty-seven, the melacha of mavair. Mav'ir is translated as igniting a fire. Now, igniting a fire usually is destructive, right? Because when we put on fire, usually fire destroys, it just consumes. So it has to be something positive. Mav'ir, when I'm putting on a fire for a constructive purpose, for example, I need the heat from the fire. I need the light. For, let's say I'm lighting a candle. I need its light. Or let's say I'm burning something because I want its ashes or I want coals later on. So there, my fire is constructive, not just to destroy. I'm not putting somebody else's house on fire. Has shalom. So that would be the mechab maveir. Like we said, by mechabe, this was done in order to create the coals. You have to first put on, ignite the, the 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 piece of wood, and then you'll be able to have coals on Shabbat when you do the mechab mechabe. The tolada of this mechab maveir is heating metal. In putting metal into a fire to heat it up till it gets to a very hot point that even though I'm going to do later on the uh, putting it into water but just heating up the metal itself that is a tolada according to the Rambam it's a tolada of mavain again practical application is all electricity same thing we said by mechabe can't shut off any electricity you can't put on any electricity according to most scheme because Electricity is, def- is defined under the melacha of mavair. That goes also for your iPhones and smartphones and all these things. Anything that has to do with electricity, whether it's battery operated or, or even running by from the main current, it doesn't make a difference. That's under the category of mavair. Also, you cannot create fire from the sun. You take a magnifying glass on a black area and you create fire that way. Even though I didn't use any matches since I created fire also, that will be under the category of mavair. Ooh, we're up to the finally the last two melachot. Melacha number 38. The melacha of Makebe Patish. Make Patish translated, you have no clue. You'll have no clue what the melacha is. Hitting with a hammer. Hitting with a hammer? What in the world is going on? What does hitting with a hammer have to do anything? So, to define this melacha, I just want you to know 
that this is one of the hardest menachot to define. It's very, very broad. According to some opinions, it applies in so many different areas. It's just very, very difficult to really categorize this menachot uh, patish. It could, it could apply together with many other menachot as well. Some opinions hold that there's, there is menachot makeb patish by cooking food, by food. Like the Benishai holds it that way. So if there is makeb patish by food, so then what's going to So that means anytime I'm mebashel, I completely cook something. So then it's also, besides that I'm over, I'm translating the surah of mebashel, I'm also translating the surah of makeb patish. So, but we'll define it just as that it's the final important step in completing the making of any item. What was done was like this. Makepati is really, you know, ever see the pictures of the anvil? Anvil is this very heavy steel uh, or metal item. And when they want to craft something, they'll take a hammer and take, let's say, for example, you want to make a bowl. So now you have to shape it in a certain way, the metal. So then that last hit that gives it that final shape, that's called makepatish. It's the last step into making anything. So that is known. Now that's, that was done by making the kelim of the mishkan, or like we explained before, the kerashim, the planks, were made out of wood covered with gold, and then their gold was nailed in. So that last nail, when it was hammered into, when the gold was hammered into the kerashim, that last hit is known as makepatish. It's the last final important step. This is Makepatish. Again, it's a very broad and vague melacha. It applies in many, many areas. And we'll, we'll speak about it when we get to it. Once. We'll just give you right now some very short, practical halachot. Uh, you know, you have your glasses sometimes and the screw comes out from the handle that goes on your behind your ear. So over there, to since the, the, the glasses were not wearable beforehand, even though the screw is there, but to tighten it, to completely, you, now, by you tightening it, you've made the glasses ready, that is a problem patish. Also, if you have, let's say, you get your delivery from Walmart, you got it on Friday, you open up your box, and you see that, oh, your broom came, but it came separately, the stick came separately, and the brush came separately. So for you to take the stick and to twist it into the broom, making a full broom now, or to twist into the brush and making it a full broom, that will also be under the category of makebe patish, and it's asur also on to be done on Shabbat. We're up to finally the last halakha, the melakha of, excuse me, the last melakha, the melakha of hotza'ah. Hotza'ah, loosely translated by people as carrying, but really, hotza'ah is the word hotze to remove, to take out. In Hotza'ah, the Avmenach of is taking something from Rishut Yahid into a Rishut Harabim. To really define the Rishut Yahid and Rishut Harabim, we'll need a good 10 15 minutes, but a really a full hour to really explain what they really are. But in short, is Rishut Yahid is not anything that's a private domain according to Halakha. Doesn't necessarily mean own it or you own it and people could come in or not come in. A private domain means an individual's property, person's property. And Rishut Rabim is an area, according to many poskim, is where 600,000 people would walk in one day. According to the Rambam, it's a certain width and, it, and the street runs in a certain way. In any case, to take an item which was in Rishut Yahid, 
in the private area, in private domain, and to take it out, to take it out of its domain and put it in the Rishut Arabim, that is the Melacha of Hotza'ah. This was done in the Mishkan. When they moved the Kirashim in the wagons, which is Rishut Yahid, right? It's, it's, a, it's a small enclosed area. And they removed it from there and they took it out and they put it on the floor in order to set it up. So they took it out from the wagons, which was Rishut Yahid, and they put it in the public area in the center where all the Jews lived to make over there the Mishkan. This is the Mechav Hotza'ah. And specifically Hotza'ah means to go from Rishut Yahid to Rishut Rabim. To take something from the public area and put it into an enclosed area, which is from Rishut Rabim to Rishut Yahid, is only Tolada. That's called Hachnasa, the opposite direction. It's also Asum Midoraita, but it's, asu, but, but, but it's the Tolada of Hotza'ah. Practical application of this halakha, it's known. A lot of people know what we're talking about. Not only are you carrying his asur on Shabbat, you can't even push a stroller in the street on Shabbat. And what many people make a mistake on is that kids are also Jewish. Yes, your children are also Jewish. And any kid, even under the age of Bar Mitzvah, you know, under the age of six, if you can't carry, you can't ask your child to carry either. Don't tell me now, I don't want to get into the discussion about an area where there's absolutely no Iruv. Just like you cannot carry, you cannot give your child to carry something for you either. Another thing that people make a mistake on, they don't, not, they don't know. A child, even if he's able to walk, you cannot carry him in the street. People say, oh, he's, uh, he, knows how to, he knows how to walk, so it's not a problem to carry him. No. If there's no Iruv, you're not allowed to carry a child, or any adult that is, even if they know how to walk. That is under the Melacha of Hotza'ah. And with that, we've concluded all the 39 melachot. Baruch Hashem, we had Seatat Dishmaya and preparing them. Be'ezat Hashem, we'll see what we're going to do next week. We want to go into the melacha of Melaben, which is back to the Ben Ishai. We'll see Be'ezat Hashem if we're going to do it uh, next week or the week afterwards because we, are, we have the three weeks coming up and we have a lot of things to talk about for the three weeks. So keep, stay tuned, Be'ezat Hashem, and uh, keep listening to us. This Class will be played on again tonight at 10 o'clock. I want to thank Iran, Rav Nisim, and the whole J Radio staff for hosting us. Thank you for listening. If you want to call in right now, 718-683-5858. I know people were calling in the middle. I couldn't pick up. Text in 347-927-8398. We'll be here for a few more minutes to answer your questions. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Till then, have a wonderful week and a Shabbat Shalom.